So I'll just get right into it. We're going to be going into Galatians. I'm going to continue in Galatians or in chapter 3. So let's turn to chapter 3. I've been, uh, the first week, I've been, I've done two weeks now working with the church here since, since I started after you voted me on. The first week, Pastor Shane was helping me how to structure a sermon. And I had written this sermon already before that. And so after we were working on a different sermon, and then I had to go back and rewrite this one because <laughs> now I know better how to do it. So, so, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's definitely a skill and to learn. And Pastor Shane has, has been able to do it a long time. And I'm, I'm uh, thankful for this privilege to be able to work with him and for, for you as a church family that you would, um, have decided to take me on and help me out on my, on my spiritual growth and on my, my learning to become a pastor. So before I start, I'm going to open us in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for this, this, um, Sunday morning that we're able to be together. We're thankful for your word that you've given us that we're able to, to study it and know it. And we're thankful for a salvation that is by faith. That is nothing that we have to, to do in our own works, our own self. <clears throat> and I pray that you'll be with, be with me as I give the message, be with each one here, that you will work in the hearts for the ones who are saved already and the ones who are not saved and the ones who think they are saved or maybe are, are pretending rather, but are not actually saved. We pray you work in each heart, that you prepare each heart for the message and, and that you'll also work through me, your vessel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, when uh, someone comes up, a preacher comes up to prepare, when he's preparing a sermon, he's preparing usually one thing that you're supposed to take home, one one point that you're supposed to to know or to change in your life. And it's usually given in a, com- in a command statement, a form of a command. <laughs> Sometimes it's a command to give the gospel. That's the one thing that we focus on for a week or for the Sunday message. Sometimes it's to trust God. Sometimes it's to stop being angry or to love your enemy, to forgive. There's all commands. Usually we, a, a preacher wants to give one command for preaching. And today it's going to be a little bit different than <clears throat> go and do this or don't do that. It's going to be, the command today is going to be to know or to understand. So, we all know the, the feeling of being commanded to do something, whether it's from a boss or from, from a parent, from a teacher or a government with commanded to do taxes, for example. Maybe we get a complicated tax form. We all know the, the feeling of being commanded to do something and you don't understand how to do it. That's, that's one frustrating thing when we don't understand. We also, um, know another situation probably we know we've been commanded to do something and then we think we understand i know i was trying to think what it was i remember brandon had once asked me to do something in the shop and i, I was I said, yeah i know what i'm doing i started doing it and then he went out <clears throat> a little while later he comes back in he says what is that <laughs> it was not what not, i thought i understood but it was not at all what what he had told me to do so sometimes that can happen but what happened with the Galatians was something else entirely. It's a third option that they understood the orders right the first time, but then somebody else came in behind and told them, no, 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 don't obey. That's not how you do it. You have to do it this way. You, 
this is the truth to obey the command. <coughs> Excuse me. So, because if you're not, it's important to understand a command and to understand it from the Bible. Because if we're not well grounded, we can be so easily deceived. There's on on a TV. If you can turn on to a thousand and one stations, you're going to have all these different false teachers. We'll have Joel Osteen telling you you can just name something and claim it. Christianity is all about being prosperous, about you'll, you'll no longer be sad, you'll be happy and rich. That's what it's about. It's not about sin, repenting from your sin. It's not about, about the gospel. The gospel for him is that you'll be happy and rich if you're a Christian. And if, you, if you're not, it's just because you don't believe it. That's not at all what the gospel is. And if you turn on the radio, and if you listen for a whole day or a whole week, however long, you're going to hear all these different programs back to back. And if you listen long enough, you're going to hear a little bit of doctrine from every kind of teaching out there. And by the end, you're not even going to know what to believe anymore. And then there's also people coming to you directly. They didn't have the radio or the television back then, at least not that I know of. They had people coming directly to them. And and this was the problem here. <coughs> Paul was an apostle, and I'll have to to um, explain what that means. I'm giving a bit longer introduction because I we haven't been going through um, very often me preaching through Galatians. Paul, an apostle, apostle means a sent one. He was sent by God. He was sent directly by God he, to be an apostle. He had to see the risen Christ and be sent audibly by audibly by God. And there's nobody today is an apostle anymore. There's some people believe there are. Some people, some entire churches believe there are apostles. But Paul was an apostle. He was sent by God and he was sent to the Gentiles, which means the nations, the other nations besides Israel. So he went to the, to the different regions. He went to the Galatians, the, the multiple churches in Galatia, and he preached the gospel. They understood the gospel. Many got saved. They started churches there. And then Paul continued on to other regions. And afterwards, there's a group of people False teachers that came along, they were called Judaizers because they were teaching a different gospel. They came and they attacked the messenger. They said, they knew if they could attack the messenger, Paul was not an apostle, they said, then they could attack the message of the gospel. And they taught a different gospel that salvation is by faith and by going back to the works of the law, at least parts of them. Um, circumcision and dietary code separating from the Gentiles and a few different things. <clears throat> but if the Galatians had really understood the gospel, had really known, like really studied and known better, they wouldn't have been deceived as easily. Now we can still be deceived if we understand. We can still give in to false teachers. They are able to, to trick us with their smooth words and maybe we stop reading the Bible for a while and we forget things. But we need to know. It's very important. So today I'm going to be teaching through, or preaching through Galatians chapter 3, and Paul's command is that we need to understand, we need to know that salvation is by, not by doing the works of the law, but by believing. So in verses 1 through 14, Paul gives three main proofs. He's going to give three proofs that salvation is not by the works of the law, but by hearing God's word and believing it. So I'm going to read here 1 through 14, that's chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? He's starting out with some harsh words here. He's calling them foolish, meaning without 
wisdom or without knowledge. He says, who cast a spell on you? Obviously, nobody cast a spell, but he's using harsh, um, strong language. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith or by hearing and believing? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified in the law, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God (coughs) is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the first proof that Paul gives is the proof from experience. He gives their own experience. And I have to give a a word of warning first, because experience can be interpreted or manipulated any way you want it to. If... um, if you have an experience, you can ex- interpret it however you want. There's a couple, I'll give you a couple examples, and these are actually, um, might sound funny, but they're more common than you, than we actually think, sadly. First one, some people, I've heard Pastor Shane, um, tell stories out, not, he ne- never gives names, but how he's heard many times from maybe himself and different pastors. He said, somebody will come and they'll say, I know it's God's will for me to divorce my wife and marry another woman. Because I, whatever reason, I, I had a experience, I had a dream, or I read it in scripture, and I know it's God's will for me to do that. Well, that's not God's will for you to do that. And, and it's, sadly, it's common enough that people will, will use an experience and completely go against the word of God. And even if they did have a dream, it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. An experience can even come from the devil. And somebody else might say, well, I've been cheating on my taxes for um, years and years, and, and I've been prospered so much, I got lots of, I stole lots of money from the government, I know since I've prospered, God is happy with me. Well, that's another bad interpretation of an of a experience that you've had. You've never been caught. But if God um, punished us for every evil thing we did, none of us would be alive anymore. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, it says in Matthew 5.45. So our experience is only authoritative to the extent that it agrees with the word of God. We've been going um, in Genesis, one thing we've been saying is that all truth is God's truth. If our experience, if our inter- interpretation is lines up with, with the word of God, then we know it can be true. But if it's <clears throat> contradicting any part of the Bible, we know our interpretation is wrong. 
So that's the warning. But still experience is very useful. It's very, it's very helpful. Great value. Paul uses the Galatians experience, which is the Christian's experience, to prove his, his point, the first point through experience. He says, how did you receive the Spirit? Or we could say, how did you get saved in verse, verse two? He says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Was it, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, was it before I came, Paul, before I came and preached the gospel to you when you were being a good Jew, trying to obey the law? Was it after I came and preached the gospel to you and you believed? Or was it 1.2, the first one again, after I left and the Judaizers came and you went back to the law? Well, obviously it was when they heard the gospel and believed it. Now, why didn't Paul just say, when did you, how did you get saved? He, um, salvation is an experience, but it's, it can be interpreted differently too. They were obviously confused. They would have told Paul, oh, it was when the Judaizers came. We got, we got saved only after you had tricked us and then we came back to the law after the Judaizers. <clears throat> but, ah, but when did you receive the Holy Spirit? That was an, uh, that was an experience that, that can't be misinterpreted that way so easily. When did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was it when you were obeying the law or was it when Paul came and preached the gospel? And we know it was obviously when he preached the gospel. First comes believing, hearing the word and believing it. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it here. In him you also trusted. So there's believing. After you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. So hearing the word of truth, hearing the gospel, in whom also having believed, so then comes believing what you've heard, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then the Holy Spirit comes at salvation when you believe what you heard with obedient faith. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> After we are saved, it is we have the Holy Spirit and it's not going to leave us. It's a guarantee. <clears throat> and then in verse 3, he continues the, the thought. He says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So if it was by, by believing that you received the Holy Spirit, why would it now suddenly change that, okay, I got saved by believing, but now if I want to grow spiritually if I want God's power. It's going to be through doing my own things, doing things in my own strength. Why would it suddenly change? <clears throat> so after Paul gives um, the past experience, he talks the experience of how it is today. And, ver and verse 5 is the same thought as verse 3. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles am among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Does God supply the Spirit and work miraculous power from out of us doing works of the law, through eating the right things, wearing the right things, through saying the right things, going to the right places? Is that where the power is? Or is it through hearing the Word of God, believing it with obedient faith, and, and that's the way. <clears throat> that's the way it is. It's not through our own bodily actions. But Paul answers the question with the second proof, and it's the proof of scripture. He goes back 2,000 years before, before his time, which would be 4,000 years 
from our time, and he starts the second proof in verse 6 with Abraham, the example of Abraham from Scripture. He proves that it's the same 4,000 years ago, this or 2,000 years from their time, as it is the same with us 4,000 years now. Salvation is through the same order. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was made right with God. <clears throat> and then in verse 7, since we, since we um, understand that it's through believing, we have to therefore know, and this is in the imperative form, which means it's a command. This is the command here. Therefore know, we're commanded to know, that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now this wouldn't shake us up any. We'd just read right over that and move on. But for the Jews, this would really... Um, might really offend some of them. It's a bold statement to make for a Jewish, for those of the Jewish heritage. And now, especially Canadians, we're not very patriotic. It would be easier to explain this on the other side of the river there, where there's all guns and eagles and flags and all that. We don't, we don't um, get too excited about maple syrup and uh, beavers. I don't know what else. <laughs> but their Jews were very proud of their heritage that God had had chosen them as a special people, and then through the promises, through the covenant promises, um, through Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, and then there was a great nation of Israel from, from their descendants, and they were God's special people. They were given the law, they were given promises, and they were so proud of that. They thought, they looked at Gentiles, as Gentiles means nations, the other nations, they looked at everybody else who was not a Jew, and they looked at them as these dirty nations. They cut down trees and they carve a face in it and they worship it or they pick up a rock and put it on a pedestal and now they're worshiping that. They're all these idol worshipers and they thought of themselves as really good. I'm obeying the law. I'm really good. And they even changed the law, reinterpreted the law to make it easy for them to obey so they can be even more proud. But they should have known better. One of their favorite passages <clears throat> With, with the promises to Abraham, it says right in there in verse 8. Um, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, so the scriptures saw that, preached the gospel in Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed, or the Gentiles shall be blessed. That was right in one of their favorite passages. They shouldn't have been surprised, and they shouldn't have thought, well, no, it's only for, for Jews. It was very clear here that it was for everybody. So the conclusion in then from verse 9, for, the, for this, for the example of Abraham, it says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Those who are of faith. So the example with Abraham is, Abraham heard the word of God, he believed the word of God with obedient faith, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So if you want to receive the gospel today, it's the same as it was 4,000 years ago. You hear the gospel, you hear the word of God, you believe on it with obedient faith, and then you, you're justified. You receive the Holy Spirit, you are saved. So then after, after the example of Abraham, he uses a second proof from Scripture, which um, they probably wouldn't have liked to hear this one either in verse 10. <clears throat> For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. The second proof is the curse. 
The scripture says those who are under the works of the law are under the curse. It says, for it is written, he's using scripture, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. There's a couple couple big things here. It says, first of all, <clears throat> cursed is everyone who does not continue, who does not continue, continue in. Let's um, focus on that for a second. Who does not continue in. If you're under the jurisdiction of a law, you have to continue in it. If yesterday I didn't speed, I stopped at all the stop signs, I didn't murder anyone, I uh, all the laws, if I obeyed all the laws, then today, all of a sudden, I said, okay, now I fulfilled the law. It doesn't work that way. As long as you're under the jurisdiction of the law, you have to continue in it. And secondly, it says, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. All things. We don't get to choose however many, 80% of the laws, whatever percent we want, and just choose the ones we like. We have to continue under the jurisdiction of the law, under all of the laws, all things written in the law. <clears throat> so if we understand, understand that we have to be in continuing in the law and under all things under the law, then there's, there's a curse. It was in the Old Testament, the curses and the blessings for obedience and disobedience to the law. There's God was not pleased. There's curse for those who disobey. We have to, you have to be obedient to the whole law if you want to be under the law. And in verse 11, it says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And that, that verse, that um, section, the just shall live by faith is from Habakkuk 2.4. God was speaking directly to Habakkuk, telling Habakkuk that. And then there's the contrast immediately after verse 12. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. And there's a interesting here I found in the Greek. Now you don't have to know Greek to, to understand the Bible well, but <clears throat> I'm going to really exaggerate this because it really helps prove the point. So the word, there's two words here in the Greek before faith and law. There's a word before that comes before faith twice here and before law in verse 11 and 12. And in English it's by or of, it's here. So two little short words. And one of the word before law, it's the word of being in a static position of, being in a constant position. And the word before faith is talking, it's being Talking, it's a word of origin, so it's something or, originated out of it. So let's look at verse 11 and 12, and I'm going to really exaggerate it for us. <clears throat> but that no one is justified in by staying, constantly remaining in the law, in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, or the just will live or, from originating out of their faith. Yet the law is not originating out of faith but the man who does them shall live continually remaining constantly in them. So there's a, there's a contrast here between faith and law. The curse of the law requires you to be constantly, forever staying in the law perfectly, all things in the law under the whole time. And never having never sinned, if you, don't want, to, if you want to be under the curse, I'm sorry, under the law without being cursed, you'd have to be completely obedient having never broken the law. <clears throat> I had mentioned earlier the Jews really loosely interpreted the law so that they would be able to look at themselves as really pious people. But then when Jesus came, 
they had they had been doing this for years and years, but by the time Jesus came, he gave the Sermon on the Mount, and it starts in Matthew chapter four, I believe. He he um, addresses some of their bad interpretations. He said, the Jews thought, well, I've never committed adultery before, so I'm obeying the law. But Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So the standard is higher than that. And if you have anger towards someone in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart already. And if you, <coughs> if you, um, divorce and remarry or marry someone who is divorced, you've commit, committed adultery. So they couldn't, as long as you just did the proper divorce certificate, you can just wife hop as much as you want and you're still a good Jewish person. Well, Jesus said, no, if you, if you divorce and remarry, you've committed adultery. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then in Matthew 5.48, to see how the standard actually is. It says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The standard, if you want to be, if you want to get to heaven by the law, you have to not be a sinner, and we're all sinners. None of us are perfect. <coughs> the blessing of faith, though, in contrast to the law, of having to stay in the law, it brings justification or salvation. It brings the Holy Spirit. You don't have to remain in any fixed state to be any fixed state of obeying the law to be to be saved or to stay saved. Justification or salvation comes comes um, from from out of a time in the past, originating from the time when you had faith. There was an event and you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit and and you were justified, you were made right under the law of legal requirements, sorry, of God. So <clears throat> If you're not saved, if you haven't believed with obedient faith, you are under the curse of forever trying to do. Do, do, do. You have to be... You Maybe you're trying to do good things. You're trying to give to charity. You're trying to be nice to people. You're trying yoga. That's By the way, yoga is a, I believe, Hindu uh, extra spiritual exercise, so we shouldn't be part of yoga. Yoga, they believe, um, is a good spiritual exercise. It's supposed to help you, but it's it's a it's a false religions exercise we we get the holy spirit that's the spiritual that we need <clears throat> maybe volunteer service or trying all these different religions you can try doing 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 even christian um religions with the air quotes for those on listening online who teach you that it's by doing with false gospel but you're trying and you'll never feel okay inside because you're under the curse you know you're condemned because you're not perfect you're condemned before a holy God. But we can praise the Lord that it doesn't end there, that there's a way to be free from the curse, and there's a truth that we can hear and believe, and there's a life that can never be taken away from us. Uh, the way, the truth, and the life, we know it says right up here in John 14, verse 6, that's Jesus. So the third proof that Paul gives is the proof of the work of Christ. And verse 13 now Paul continues to use scripture to prove it, but it's overlapping now into the third proof. Christ, <clears throat> Christ has redeemed us. The first work of Christ, he redeemed us from the work, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs, sorry, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's from Deuteronomy 21-23. So after a criminal was, was, um, 
executed was for committing a serious crime in that time. They might have been hung up on a tree and they were shown, <clears throat> they were hung up on a tree so that everybody, they put outside the city so that everybody who sees it, walks by and sees it, will say, I don't want to commit that crime. I'll be up on that tree like them. So they were cursed by God for committing a serious crime. Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. There was somebody else who had hung on a tree. Just over a little bit here, we see a, a wooden cross back here. <clears throat> somebody else was hung on a tree. Jesus was hung on a tree and was cursed by God. And what was Jesus' crime that required execution? What did Jesus do wrong? He came to the earth and he lived sinlessly. We were going this morning, the temptations of Jesus. He was tempted and he didn't sin at one. He never could sin. <clears throat> he was man, fully man, so he could be, so he had weakness in his, in his humanity and he was tempted, but he never could sin because he was also fully God. He was the only one who lived on this earth who obeyed the law to a T perfectly. He obeyed the law perfectly. He did nothing wrong, yet he was cursed by God and hung on a tree. Mankind, we know, we are cursed. We are cursed under the law. If we try to try the law, we have to continually do in the law, and we can't do it. We are cursed with sin, and our sin offends God and, and condemns us to hell. We are, we are continually evil and wicked in everything we do. If you go into the high school, I remember from being there, um, a little while ago now, not too long, but if you go in the high school, you'll hear the name of Jesus more times than you'll ever hear in a church. But it's not being used to worship God, it's being used as a curse curse word. You'll hear Jesus Christ all day long. We are, in our natural state, we are, we are just bent on evil. We are cursed. We are done evil. <clears throat> but, and Jesus was perfect and, and did nothing wrong. Yet he was cursed. He redeemed us says, by becoming the curse for us. He became the curse for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus chose to give his own life for, for us wicked sinners and become the curse. He became our curse in our place. We deserve to be on that cross. He became our curse, so we wouldn't have to bear it one minute longer, the curse. When we turn from our wickedness and believe in Jesus unto salvation with obedient faith, God accounts it to us as righteousness. Accounts it to us as righteousness. How can God do that? Because what happens to our curse? We know our curse was put on Jesus 2,000 years ago, and, and um, Jesus bore our curse, and we get to bear his righteousness. How blessed is that? The moment we believe, we get we receive His righteousness because two thousand years ago He was He took on our curse. And verse fourteen, it says the last verse here that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. <clears throat> Paul comes back in a full circle. Like he often does, he'll start themes and he'll build up and then he'll come back down. He comes back to where we started. He asks, he comes back to the Holy Spirit. How did we receive the Holy Spirit? Was it by doing the works of the law or was it by hearing God's word and believing it? And the same gospel that was preached, preached 4,000 years ago, preached to Abraham 
was just a simple message. It was that through his line, through his seed, all the nations would be blessed. That's all he had to believe, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now we understand more. <clears throat> we understand the full gospel. We get to see it in full, looking back, not looking forward. And if we look back at what Jesus did, that he, he died on the cross, he put, he took on our, our, um, <clears throat> excuse me, our curse. He took our curse, hung on a tree, was cursed by God. He took on our curse. And then he didn't just take the curse and die. He, he then rose again on the third day, victorious, and proved that the, that it was accepted by God and that it has power to save us. So there's, Three, they're, they're, these are the steps. You hear God's word. Now all of you here have heard God's word. We've all heard at different levels. You believe God's word and you obey God's word with obedient faith. That's faith is obedient faith. If you just hear it but don't obey it, that's not the true kind of faith as we read in James. So we've all heard God's word now. The proof, we've seen the proof from experience. Um, all of us know for those who are saved, we can look back and we can look at how how God changed us. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I can look back in my life and see an amazing change. I can look, each one of us who are truly saved should be able to look back and see a change. And if we don't see a change, you have to question, are you really saved? Because it says clearly that we should be having a change. And if you're not saved, you can look look out at each one here, the change that we've all gone through. How? Where else would you see farmers and um, cabinet makers and fishermen and golfers and all these seniors and kids? Where would we all be getting together and working as a family? Where else would we see that? There's proof from experience that God... That God, <clears throat> that this is true, that it's through believing and not through obeying the works of the law. Then we saw the proof from the scripture. The whole Bible, the unity of the whole Bible, it's amazing from Abraham and even going from the first chapters of the Bible to the end of the chapter, the, the unity of the Bible. Jordan was saying this morning how his Sunday school, how he was, how it was neat, how it was going to be so closely what Pastor Shane was preaching. And I was thinking as he was doing this morning, it's so closely what I was going to be preaching. And then I realized, well, he could have preached any verse in the Bible and it would have been so closely because the Bible, the unity of the Bible, that's why it's so important we are reading the scriptures to know what we believe from the scriptures, like the Bereans. And finally, the last proof was the proof of the work of Christ, what Christ did on the cross, taking our curse on us, <clears throat> taking our curse for him, so that we could receive his righteousness. And for those who are saved as well, that we have to understand as well that besides just salvation, continually today, our, the Holy Spirit working in our heart is not by us doing things, it's by hearing the word and, and believing it and obeying it. That's how God's power is in our life today. And if we know that power, we, we ought to be sharing the gospel with other people as well. So if you are not saved here today, <clears throat> you can pray anytime. It doesn't have to be have to be at a church. It doesn't have to be with a preacher, but it's a good time to do it. Today is the day of salvation. It's a good time to do it. You've been hearing the gospel 
Some have been in here hearing the gospel for for weeks and maybe even years and have not received it for themselves yet. How long do you think you can can push it off before before one day you might just die or you might harden your heart? It needs to be done. You need to do it while your heart is is tender for it because one day there'll be a time when you are no longer tender for it. You need to receive the gospel and also we need to we need to when we hear God's word, even as Christians, we need to receive it and, and um, obey it with obedient faith. So if you're not saved and you want to come talk to me after the service or one of us, we'll be able to talk with you and, and help you through it so you don't have to wait a minute longer under the curse. If you're living under the curse of the law of, of trying to get into heaven by yourself, your sin condemns you. You can come to any of us. So <clears throat> I'm going to close with prayer now. Father, we thank you for again for the for your word, for the simplicity of the gospel. So thankful that that you freed me from the curse, that you took on my curse. I didn't deserve, I don't deserve it at all. What all the evil that I've done in my life, but yet the worst sinner, if who believes, can come to you, and because you took the curse of the whole world, as many as will believe on you can have eternal life. We pray that you'll be with anyone here that they won't push it off anymore for salvation and for each one who is saved that we'll be not looking at at your word and just walking away but that we'll be obedient to it and we'll be sharing the gospel and and with our understanding that we'll be careful that we know that we don't get deceived from false teachers we pray now for again for pastor shane um who is sick and that you can help many there that He'll be able to preach the gospel and be an encouragement and that you'll bring him back safely. And we pray that you'll be with each one of us this week, that we can continue to grow in you. Um, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.